Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. By analyzing this, we see it was sent out to the 12 tribes of Jews scattered. These were believing Jews. We see that throughout. In Acts 7, Stephen is stoned. Persecution begins on the church. In Acts chapter 8, Paul starts breathing out, threatening to the church. They're being scattered. So this happened somewhere around 35 to 37 AD. We know that the Council of Jerusalem was in 50 AD. So this book is written somewhere in that 15-year period, 35 A.D. to 50 A.D. It fits that time frame when James is in leadership in Jerusalem. James has been called to a position as pastor, and he has authority. Peter comes and reports to him. Paul, Barnabas, others come and report to him. And he is the one who is bringing about such great leadership within the church. For example, if we find in the epistle of James also... In Acts, so many words that go with Acts chapter 15. I think as we go through, we're going to see the word greeting. We'll have to come back to some of this and look at some more. How the letter that they wrote to the church at Antioch, the Jerusalem church, fits what James writes here. But what kind of a man was he? All of that aside, what kind of a man is he? You'll get the idea as we go through that, and I hope that you'll read it, but you'll see he is a volcanic energy. His sentences are short. They're forceful, very direct, very compact, very prophetic in tone, authoritative, yet pastoral. He's different from Paul. Paul talks about all the different questions, and he delves into the various aspects of this and that, and James gets to the point When I read it, I kind of feel like I'm being pinned up against the wall, and then there's no more. He says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, and then he moves on. You see, very short, very direct. In these five little chapters, there are 50 imperative verb form. 50 times he says, do this. Do this. He commands what is right throughout the epistle. James is concrete. He's kind of like John. Everything is A or B. It's either this or that. It's black or white. James is that way. He knows what the difference is. James is straight. He's pointed like an arrow to the target. But what about his spirituality? If you look at this epistle and you remind yourself... This was a deeply spiritual man. I want you to see that he was a humble man. A powerful man, but he was humble. His humility be seen. How does he introduce himself in the book? James, a bondservant. He could have said, James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, Messiah of the world, and pastor of the Jerusalem church. <laughs> Some of my pastor friends, when they were to introduce themselves, I'm the pastor of the, this church and that church. And, you know, not James. There's humility. 
You don't see any of that. It's just James. James, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He understands worldly issues. He understands the character of evil men. He understands selfishness. He understands superficiality. He has strong convictions. He writes about fear and he, without fear, and he writes without compromise. That's why he just pins us up against the wall. He has sympathy for poor people. He is righteously angry at anyone who abuses the poor. He has no tolerance for respective persons. There's great sensitivity to the unconverted Jews that might be converted, but except for the Christians expressing their Christian liberty. So his courage is seen in that he was a martyr. Now what do we know about him? His knowledge. How much did he know? This is not a book of theology. But when we look closely, we see that it's full of beautiful theology. There's five specific Old Testament quotes, many other Old Testament references, and he demonstrates a complete mystery of the truth of the Sermon on the Mount. The parallels. We're going to look at at least a dozen parallels to the Sermon on the Mount. But James gives us a theology. He writes some of the most significant theology about suffering. He gives us the theology of sin. He gives us the theology of temptation, of fallenness. He gives us the theology of the demonic world. He gives us a theology of Christ. He uses the word kurios, Lord, 11 times. Jesus says, Lord. He talks about theos over 12 times. Theos, God. He knew uh, 17 times. He reveals God as the one God, the creator God, the source of righteousness, the object of worship, the guide of true wisdom. All of these. Well, finally, what kind of ministry does James have? We see that he was the leader of the Jerusalem church and he's in a unique situation because that congregation was made up of Jews that had been saved and that some of them were keeping various laws. Some of them continued on in their Judaism. Yet, he did not impose that upon the Gentiles. He wanted them to understand that there was freedom in Christ. He was the kind of Jew that maybe he did not impose on others and yet his life was kosher. Could we put it that way? He had a marvelous ministry, leading the Jerusalem church, writing the letters to Galatia and, and encouraging those churches of Galatia, encouraging Antioch and all of those churches there. And we never see James moving out. Remember the apostles, apostle means one cent. We never see him leaving Jerusalem. He's not an apostle. He's never called an apostle. He's not a sent one. He stays with the church. He is loyal to his Jewish heritage. And it's in his vernacular. It's interesting because James writes such a high level of Greek. It's only comparable to the book of Hebrews. And so in his writing he was very well known, very well understood. And he says of himself as servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't say I'm leader of the church, pastor of first church, brother of Messiah. doesn't say any of that. He was a humble man because he tells us in chapter 4 verse 10, Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. It means one who is deprived because he says I am a bond servant. I am a doulos. 
That's what I want us to close out with this thought. I am a doulos, one who is deprived of personal freedom, one who has fully come into the control of his master. It's a verb that has come from the word to bind. He's bound. He is a slave by birth, a doulos, not an anthropon, not one that was made a slave, but a doulos means a slave from birth. He was born into slavery through faith. In Christ, he was born a slave. A doulos had no concern for his food. He had no concern for his clothing. He had no concern for his housing. His master cared for all of that. Barclay's commentary says that a doulos was characterized by absolute obedience, absolute humility, absolute loyalty and pride. In a good sense, James was proud to be a servant. Wasn't a title of dishonor. It was a title of honor. I want you to think about it. You know, in the Old Testament, Moses is called a servant of God, a doulos. Daniel is called a doulos of God. Joshua, Caleb are doulos of God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so was Job. How about Isaiah and other prophets? When James calls himself a doulos, he is identifying himself with many honored men, servants of God, who had nothing... To say about his human relationship to Christ, only about his spiritual servants. That was James. This was the first book written of the New Testament. Church fathers accepted it very early on. Origen was one of the first. But there was never a question until Martin Luther came along. And Martin Luther argued that it should not be included in Scripture. He concluded wrongly because he said that it taught justification by works and not grace. But when you read it, you'll see it is all by grace. James had one master. James, a bondservant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is your master? Who is your master? Who are you following? James was very happy to say, I'm a servant of God. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Who's your master? In this world, we're told that we have either of two masters. We're born that way. Either Satan is our master or God is our master. You cannot have God as your master until you come through Jesus Christ. The only way. The way of salvation. You see, the book of James is going to be an exciting book. A book that, that just tells us how that we can live our Christian life because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's an energizing book and it's a helpful book and sometimes it's a book that holds us accountable and holds us up against the wall. I hope that you'll be excited in looking at some of these things because it always points back to Jesus Christ and what He has done. What has He done in your life? Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.